So we're going to continue in our, our sermon series called Chosen. Um, it's a book, uh, it's, um, we're studying through the book of Ephesians. What we are trying to do, what I'm continually trying to get us to think about and get myself to think about as we go through this book is to get a God-centered perspective of our relationship with God and our life and see how God is acting in our life for us and see the evidence of God's grace. Because sometimes we can think, and I was just talking to someone in the back about it, we can think we're the initiators of our relationship with God. When what the scripture teaches us is God has tracked us down. God has shown us his ferocious love. We see that particularly with the work on the cross. And we see it throughout our life that God is reaching out to us. God is tracking us down. And what we're really doing when we're having a relationship with God, when we're growing in our faith, when we're growing in his grace, is we're learning how to respond rightly and correctly to what God is already doing in our life. And that's what Ephesians is saying, that God is moving in your life. Respond humbly, lovingly, patiently, and gentle. So we're going to talk about those things today because do you know it's important to God how we treat each other? Do you know how important that is? What's the greatest commandment when they ask Jesus? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He said that's the greatest commandment. He said the second is just like it though. To love your neighbor as yourself. That's powerful, powerful stuff. Because the way that we live our life, the way that we treat each other, we're called to do it, and the scripture will teach us this today, in a manner worthy of our calling. So we'll try to unpack that. But So my daughter, Talia, one of her favorite shows is 19 and Counting. Has anyone seen that show? She can't, she's, every time I see her, she's watching the show 19 and Counting. Me, 19 kids and Counting. That's how much I watch the show. Me and Natalie are two and count, or two and done. Who knows? Either one. But she watches the show. I call her Talia Duggar because she watches the show and loves it so much. And so I've seen a few episodes. And what hits me about these episodes is I'm thinking, okay, you got 19 kids. That's got to be a madhouse. I remember one of my buddies, there were four dudes in one house, and I went to visit his house, and it was like the WWF was in his house. You understand me? Like there were little, legit holes in the walls. Body marks in the sheetrock, like just throwing, I'm like, at 19 and counting, this has got to be bananas, right? What threw me off and caught me off guard with this show is how well these 19 kids treat each other. They're gentle with each other. They love each other. They appreciate each other. They're gentle with each other. And what it does to me is it says, it brings worth to their parents. It brings glory and honor to their parents. Because you say, this is amazing how they're treating each other. It shows off the worth of Mama and Dada Duggar. That's what it does for me. When we treat each other with love, with gentleness, with humility, with patience, when we treat each other well, that shows off the worthiness of the one we follow. That shows off the worthiness of Jesus. And that's what I want us to hear today. So I'm just going to read the scripture, the text we'll be learning from today. It says, I therefore, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, 
with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity and the spirit and the bond of peace. <clears throat> so let's unpack that a little bit. What does it mean to walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling? So this is how I want you to think of it. What are we called to do? The first thing, what is our greatest calling? To be more like Jesus, right? You read in the scriptures, it says, the work of the gospel is that we are going to be conformed to the image of the Son of God, to the image of Jesus. So we look to Jesus how we should live our life, and specifically how we should treat other people. Jesus set the perfect example of how we should treat each other. So when we do that, when we treat each other like Jesus treated people, we are showing off the worthiness of the one we're following. Do you guys hear me? Every time you're humble with someone, every time you're gentle with someone, every time you're patient with someone, every time you love someone, they can see, it says, do your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. They can see Jesus in you. They can see light in the darkness. And that is powerful stuff. Now, everyone heard about the Ten Commandments, right? What you don't really think about, or I didn't too much, is out of those Ten Commandments, the top ten, right, comes out the gate. Sixty percent, six out of ten of those commandments are how we treat each other. A lot of people think of how do you see if someone is growing in their relationship with God, if someone's coming more godly, if someone's growing in their faith, and someone's growing in grace. What is the greatest way you can see if someone's growing? Many of us think if they turn into a monk, right? Let me turn into a monk. I'm just turning dusty pages in a dark room, just writing with a feather pen. I'm more spiritual. Listen, read your Bible, study the scriptures, pray. But the greatest, and as you study the scripture, you will love each other and treat them better. But the greatest measure of growing is how you treat each other. You can't say you love God and hate your brother. You can't say you're godly and treat people horrible. They contradict each other. They go hand in hand. Get in the scriptures, pray, be at church, sing the songs. But that should be fueling us and humbling us to treat each other better. That is the most beautiful thing. The way we love each other, they said love each other. When people see the way you love each other, it will point them to God. This is powerful, powerful stuff. And so what I like to do when I'm preaching is I like to not give examples I like to give examples when I can of people who are part of the church because then it becomes alive. You know, how I see God working in us and use the example how God's working in us. Like you can use examples outside, that's fine. But when you hear about a person in the church or us as a collective church and people doing things, it makes the gospel alive. You make realize the Holy Spirit is working in us to do great things like loving each other. And so I'm going to use my mother-in-law as an example of loving today. She's all stressed out now because I said that. What, so I think a lot of us would agree that Nancy's very gentle and loving and caring. And what she does is, I just want to use a couple of examples. But one is, you know what a lot of us could have did and maybe did do during the winter, the worst winter in the history of the universe? Do you know what we could have did? Complained. Let me put 15 more posts on Facebook how much I hate this winter. That's going to help me. It's going to help everyone. Express yourself. You know what Nancy did? Stop making scarves. Do you understand me? And she, if you haven't got a scarf, no, she's probably working on one through the summer. She said, you know what I'm going to do to make people feel loved? I'm going to start knitting scarves. So I thought just a few were going to come out the gate. 
So I got one. Thank you, Nancy. Joe got one. Thank you, Nancy. Well, what happened is every week I saw more people wearing scarves. Rainbows, purple, black, gray, like combinations. Just around their necks, just feeling loved. I remember someone posted on Instagram, being loved by my church. I got a new scarf, and I said, wow, that's showing off the worthiness and she's walking in a manner that's worthy of a calling. She's walking like Jesus. She's showing gentleness and kindness and love to one another. That changes lives. We always think about the miraculous as huge stuff. Whoa. The miraculous is loving one another from a pure and holy heart before God. That's miraculous in today's day and age. That's miraculous. Truly love someone. Truly care for them. Take time out of your life to do something for somebody. That is the most powerful stuff that God has created. Loving one another. It's so powerful. And I also see, randomly, Nancy will write on Facebook to someone, something loving, tell them how much they're appreciated. I just want you to know how much you're appreciated, how much you're loved. I'm like, man, this is changing lives right here. So I know she's my mother-in-law. I'm not trying to get brownie points. But I really feel like that shows off the worthiness of her Savior and brings glory to God. And I want to start seeing those categories because that's powerful when a church does that for one another. Everyone's thinking I'm making scoffs now or something. The second thing is that there's three distinct fruit of the spirits, fruits of the spirit that come out and that Paul really comes, focuses on that he wants us to portray in a way to act towards one another. He says humility, gentleness, and patience to mark the way we treat those in church right here. When I was younger, so my background is I come from a charismatic church. And like I always tell you, I'm still charismatic with the seatbelt on. That's how I explained it. I think that's the best way I can explain it. But I was sitting in a service when I was a teenager. And the culture of this church was if you're not raising your hands, if you're not shouting something, and if you're not busting a move, then you're not right with God. You're not right with God. So I'm sitting there as a teenager. It's getting rowdy up there. I don't know. Trumpets are blowing. People are dancing. And I'm like, okay. I'm sitting here. That's what I'm doing. This big brother walks over to me. He was a leader in the youth group. He looked at me red-faced, grabbed me up out of my chair. I wasn't big. <laughs> grabbed me up, shook me, and said, Worship! <laughs> I just was like, what? <laughs> that wasn't gentle. That wasn't humble. That in no way did make me want to be part of the church. Do you guys hear me? What happened was he was very impatient with me. What happened is he put standards on me that weren't right. What happened, there was no grace on there. Grabbed me a bottom of my chair, shook me around, and said, worship. People leave church because of those things. But when we are loved, when you walk in here, not just Sunday, whether you're at house church or volleyball, see someone at the supermarket, when people genuinely love you and care for you and you know they're in it with you, that makes you want to be part of the body of Christ, doesn't it? It makes you want to be part of the church. It makes me want to be part of the community because you see in Ephesians 2 that we were called, Ephesians 2 it says we were called out of the world. We are caught, called out of carnality. We were called out of seeking sinful pleasures. We're called out of a certain way and we're called into a certain community, the community of the church, the body of Christ. That body of Christ should act differently towards one another. So I've had seasons in my life where I had great friends. I've had seasons in my life where I have a horrible group of friends. And some of those seasons that mark the horrible 
group of uh, friends were pride, right? We're, we're gossip. We're not being trustworthy. We're being nasty. You always felt down. They were always putting you down. And you're like, I want to get out of here. It should be the total opposite when you come to the body of Christ. You feel like, wow, people are treating me humbly. People are treating me gently. And people are being very patient with me. So I want to talk about <coughs> those three things. I want us to be humble because we rightly understand the gospel. I want us to be gentle as an expression of our understanding of the gospel. And I want us to be patient with each other because we have hope in the gospel. So let's start here. Why should we be humble? Let me tell you why we should be humble. We should be humble because grace, as it says in the last chapter, grace is all about God's undeserved love towards us and undeserved pardoning. It's nothing we have done. It's nothing to do with you and me. It's even a mystery beyond what we can even explain. Even Paul's mind gets shattered sometimes. He said, you have been saved, not by works, not by merit, not by your good work deeds. You've been saved because of grace so that there's no room for boasting. So what happens, and when we rightly understand the gospel, the gospel is this. <coughs> and I want to use Ephesians specifically. Before the foundation of the world... Before we were even created, before we were formed in our mother's womb, God decided that he was going to shower us with his grace. That he was going to awaken our hearts to the truth that he exists and that his son came to die for us. And no, we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't get right with God. We couldn't find favor with God. We couldn't do enough good works. God's own son had to be pinned to a cross, brutally beaten, and murdered as payment for your and my sins. That had to happen. He had to rise from the grave so the work would be completed, so all who have faith in him will be saved. That leaves no room for boasting. So when you understand there's nothing in you, you treat people, you're humbled by that. You don't come in thinking, man, I'm one of the good people God chose. Let's sit, look at me. You don't do that. You say, man, I'm a filthy sinner. This is a group of filthy people. Dirty sinners, you know it's true. That Jesus has chose to make clean through his blood. And that has changed us forever. We're all bad people. Jesus is the good person. That's why you come in humbled. You come in humble. So let me show you how bad theology makes you treat people badly. So your theology determines your methodology. So what you believe determines how you act. What you believe about God, that will determine your mentality, your attitude. So bad theology is this. Jesus' work on the cross was good. God loved me. He showed me some grace. But it's grace with works. So I'm kind of a good person. Nancy's like, I make scarves for people. I'm all right. You know what I mean? I did some good works. You didn't say that, Mimi. I don't mess it up. It's God did this, but I completed through being a good person. So let's start with good works. God is good, but I really do good things for my families, for my friend and people. So the combination of God's grace and me doing good works has made me right with God. That's the gospel. When that happens, what happens? You start looking at other people and saying, they're not doing as many good works as me. That pedestal gets bigger and bigger and higher and higher. And all of a sudden, by the end of the year, you think you had a good run? Look at the holy man. He's looking at everyone. Look at his works. Thursday night, I was interceding for the nations. What was he doing? 
See how wrong theology determines that? We do good works, do good works, because Christ saved us. We didn't do good works and Christ saved us. When you are humbled because of the work he did, you become a better person. You care about others, you think about others, you do good works. Now let's do righteousness. Bad theology, bad understanding of the gospel is, Jesus did most of the work, but you've got to be good to stay saved. Right? I've got to keep being good to be in favor with God. Know what happens with that? Is we do the same thing to other people. We look at other people and say, I'm doing these righteous things. I'm doing these good things. They're not. So that means that they're not right with God. They're not saved and they're not going to heaven. That's what we do to people. Instead of bearing with one another in love. So humility, when you rightly understand the gospel, everyone here should be real lowly. We all should be real lowly because Jesus Christ died for our sins. And he had to do it in a price paying away. There's a price paid on the cross that day. That wasn't light. The Son of God coming, taking on human flesh and being murdered in our place. That's not light stuff. That's undeserved. Secondly, you are gentle. We're gentle with each other out of expression of the gospel. How many people would describe themselves as gentle? Man, I'm gentle. I'm not gentle. I'm working towards it. I'm so much more gentle than I was in my early 20s. But I don't describe myself as gentle. But Jesus said, he said, all of you, meet, all of you who have heavy burdens, who have no rest, come to me and be like me, because I'm lowly in heart. I'm meek, and my burden is light. Do you know that when you're gentle, your burden is lighter? Do you know when you're gentle, you're more powerful? The way the, the word was used in the Old Testament was meek, and it says the meek should inherit the earth. Do you know that the kingdom of God now and in the kingdom of eternal heaven, we led by gentle people. That's hard for us to understand because it's the aggressive and the ones who intimidate and the ones who are sinfully strong who suppress people now and lead in many ways. Especially in the Boston culture, like you're telling me, gentle people step all over me. Yeah, they will and you'll be more like Jesus. They're going to step all over you. If you want to follow Jesus, they persecuted him. They persecute you for being gentle, you know? Those are the, that's the path of the righteous man. The word in the Old Testament used to describe meek was like a wild stallion when it was tamed. I'm sure many of us guys think we were wild stallions back in the day. I'm telling you, man, I was really thinking that as I studied on this, man, I'm like, I used to be so wild. Now I'm in on Saturdays making lemonade for the family. That's what happened to me. I was an unbridled wild stallion just running, look at my strength. That's how I really felt. But what does it explain is, it's like a wild stallion. You think he's strong. But he's not good for the master's use if he's unbridled. He can't help the community unless he allows the master to tame him. When a horse, when a stallion is bridled, it can carry people. When a stallion is bridled, it can carry medicine to other communities. When a stallion is bridled, he can carry weights that other can't, can't carry. The gentle people are really the strongest. Those who are gentle are the strongest. It's the weak people are just overreactors. I'm telling you now. The weak people just prey on others. They yell, they're angry. It's what I call the I am real delusion. There's an I am real delusion. Have you met this person? And maybe it's us. It was me at one point in my life. I just say things how they need to be said. I say what everyone else won't say. 
That's the I am real delusion, because I am real. I am the realest. Only the realest can be with me. That's why you have no friends. This is a delusion. This is, in my opinion, very ungodly, because it's not rooted in loving your neighbor. It's rooted in self-expression. In our culture, it's all about, whatever I feel, get up. I got to express myself. Where did you learn that? Proverbs say, a man who gives vent to all his feelings, all his motion, is a fool. A fool. Cultures teach you something different, I know. It's teaching you're strong if you say everything that's on your mind or you tell people how you feel. No, a gentle person says, you know what? I could act like this. I could say this to the person, but I'm giving a soft answer. And it's going to turn away wrath. It's going to turn away wrath. Do you know no one goes to a person that is wrathful and aggressive and always shelling. You know who they approach when they need someone to help to carry their burden? They approach the gentle person because they know they're going to be gentle with them. They won't call the person going to be rough. I told you not to do that. See what happened? Who needs that? That never helped anyone in the history of the world. In the history of the world, I told you, deal with it. Look at my wisdom. That never helped anyone in the history of the world. Gentle people... Say, I know. I'm humble. I'm humble because of the cross. I'm a sinner like you. I've been here before. I'm going to be there again. Let me be gentle with you. Let me speak the gospel to you. Let me help you carry this burden. You know, when I was going through my wild stallion thought on Saturday, I was walking down the driveway to get my mail, and I'm thinking, man, I used to be such a beast. <laughs> I open the mailbox, and I'm saying, you, you ask yourself questions, because we all go through that. It's a journey of faith, right? Sacrificing for others, loving others, committing your life to serving others. For every Christian, that's a battle. And I open the mailbox, and I take out the mail card, and it says from the Getchels. I knew it was from the Getchels, because, of course, Ryan and Jamie had a stamp made up. There was a perfect stamp with, like, a medieval wrap around it, and it said the date and all the stuff. I said, this brother already has stamps going. He stamped it up. I pulled it out. And I'm, you know, I'm battling internally, just trying to die to myself and say, Joey, your life is to sacrifice for other people. That's every Christian. My life is to serve others. I got to stop thinking about myself. I pull it out. I open it up. And do you know, there was the kindest note that said, Joey, we just want you to know anything you need during this transition on going full time, that we're here with you, that we're going to bear with you. Well, I'm saying the scriptures. They didn't put bear with you like I, but they put, Anything you need in your transition, we love you so much. We know this is a lot for you and Natalie in this journey of faith. Know that we're there for you through this transition. Anything you need, let us know. Is that amazing? That's what the text says. Bear with one another in love. It's so good that you know that people are on this journey with you. And through the ups and downs, when you feel like you want to abandon the faith or leave the church or having a good time or going through a rough season or you've had lost or you're battling if God even loves you, it's good to know that we're not giving up on each other, right? It's good to know that you said, no matter what, I want you to hear this from me. I'm with you guys. I don't care. I already knew your sinners before I signed up because I was one too. I'm with you guys through every struggle in this life. And I pray we do the same for me. But they said, we're bearing with you. We're with each other. If Restoration Road does that just for each other, we are powerful. In God's grace. That's the power of the gospel. Because it says be patient with one another. When any of us decide ourselves as patient, <laughs> right? We're going through this and say, man, I'm from Boston. I ain't gentle. All patient. So being in the body of Christ is like getting a constant call that someone needs help moving. Who likes that call that someone needs help moving? 
That's the worst call in the history of man. They always want help on Saturday, right? And it's always the most unorganized person in America. You show up at 11, they're like, everything's on the floor. Hey, help us pack them in the boxes. Let's do this. What do you mean, man? I got a two-hour window. Being in the body of Christ is like constantly getting the call that someone's going to get moved. Because we constantly have things we're working through in life, right? You can't just be with each other through the good times. You can't. You can't just be with each other when there's no struggles, because that's not love, that's not friendship. Everyone can love someone when everything's just, you know, I was going to say dandy, but I didn't even feel comfortable saying dandy. Yeah. <laughs> but we all can be with each other with everything's good, right? It's the mark of a Christian when we bear with one another, when we're patient with one another, when we don't judge people but say, I'm going to walk this road with you. That's patience. That's absolute patience. We were doing a project um, this summer on the church, just painting and stuff. So we thought it would be a good idea to invite anyone who wanted to come to come help paint. Little did I note, there was only probably two or three people that I wanted to help paint. Shelly was one of them because she took it serious. We were making a nice run. We were doing the base of this. All of a sudden, like five dudes walk in, just like, give me a roll, I'm going to paint. I'm like, yes, we're going to get this done. They begin to dip it in the roller and just spray it all over the floors. I began to come very impatient inside. My head was going to blow off my body. And I, I get OCD sometimes, so I randomly just started trying to wipe the floor up. And Shelly, trying to love her pastor, was like, hey, this is bugging him out, so I'm going to help wipe the floor. So I tried to wipe. I went around the whole perimeter, I'm telling you, and Shelly helped me, and we wiped everything off. They just kept spraying. I was given lessons out. We might have had Sensei Jeff there, the painting extraordinaire. And I'm like, listen, put it in there. Stay on the tarp. Get your shoes on. Don't step in it. They were like footprints. We were just walking footprints, walking around. I'm finally, I said, I can't wipe anymore. This was really a few hours. I said, I can't do this anymore. But I wasn't coming out. I was trying to stay inside and love people. I'm talking to a guy, and he literally went like this. He rolled, talking to me, just rolled the floor rolled the floor and I'm looking and saying is the cross strong enough for me to forgive this man <laughs> that's what I said to him I looked at him and I said we had a saying going the summer I said grace grace he looked at me and I could tell it impacted him that he was showed patience do you know he came back to me that week and said that really impacted my life because my father was always way too hard on me and I've, I made a mistake, and he'd always say, and he'd yell at me and be aggressive. The fact that you said grace to me when I continued to do that, it really impacted me and changed my life. Do you know that? When we're patient with each other, it changes. It changes lives. It really does. That's the powerful stuff. You know what it does when we're humble, when we're gentle, when we're patient? It promotes unity. You become a unified body of Christ. How many people have seen church splits and people leave the church because they're offended? Do they ever say, man, that pastor was way too gentle with me. I couldn't handle it. I had to get out of there. The people were way too patient. Enough's enough. No one ever leaves because someone's gentle or patient or gentle with them. They leave when people don't treat them well or they don't treat others well. This is why they're so important. 
if we continue to grow with these spiritual fruits of being love and humble, gentle, do you know that we'll continue to be unified? And I'm so thankful that at Restoration, we really are unified. We really are loving each other. And I love that. And I hope as we grow, that continues to grow with us. We don't have to worry about being divided if we continue to treat one another in a manner worthy of our calling. So there's just a few things I want us to think about in application about unity when you're communicating with people. The first thing I want us to think about when you're interacting and treating someone is watch your tone. How many people think about their tone? I never thought about my tone until I was 30 years old. I never thought about it until a pastor lovingly, gently, patiently said to me, do you ever think about tone when you're preaching? <laughs> you ever think about tone and allow the text to determine your tone? I said, what do you mean? What is this foreign word tone? He said, you've got to really think about your tone when you're talking to people. Then all of a sudden it made sense because when I was a youth pastor, we had a meeting and the mom said, all the kids think you're mad at them when you preach. You know why? Because I was mad at them. I was. I didn't get the gospel. I thought it was the gospel plus my works. So when I got on that pulpit, I thought I was holding everyone. And when you get up there holding everyone, you're mad at everyone. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Come on! You just get really mad. I would get up there in my tone. I was always mad at people because I thought I was holding. I didn't understand the gospel. But as God has crushed me and shattered me, and I realized, man, Joey, you got a lot of repenting to do, and you got to get the gospel, that has changed my tone here. You know, that should change our tone. When you talk to people, talk to them gently. Even if it's something tough, talk to them gently. That will really change lives. You, you never have seen a fight start because someone said something too soft. Never. You've never seen that. You ever seen a fight break out? I'm saying this because I love you. That is it? You say that one more time? That never happens. Fights break out when we feel like someone's speaking to us in a bad tone or they don't have our best interests in mind or not loving to us. Use gentleness in a powerful way. And finally, patience. See where people are, not where they aren't. See where people are, not where they aren't. There's a movie I watched, Four Brothers. Anyone see Four Brothers with Mark Wahlberg? At one of the beginning and opening scenes of Four Brothers, you see these four kids who were adopted by this mom and she had passed away and they were coming to the memorial in the funeral and they were walking down the street and um, one of the guys across the street was saying, look at these guys, look at these ruffians, look at what they amounted to. And the other guy said to him, imagine what they would have been if she hadn't adopted them and got that love from that mom. He said, they'll be in jail, they'll be murderers, they'll be robbers. The love that she has invested in their life, the place they are is so amazing because of where they could have been. So we look at where people are, not where they aren't. So in this way, so when I'm tempted to say someone should be further along in their walk and in their faith, when I'm tempted to do that, that's pride. That's pride. What I say is, wow, look at where they are because Jesus got a hold of them. Look at where they are because Jesus got a hold of them. That's amazing stuff. Because that's how we want people to look at us. 
Look at where I am because Jesus got a hold of me. Look at where we are because Jesus got a hold of us. That's where patient comes. People are not on our time schedule. It's God who brings people along. We've got to be patient. Amen? The final thing I want you to think about is, if you've been harsh with people, if you've not been gentle with people, if you've hurt people, if you're not treating them with love and humility and patience and gentleness, please repent of that. Repent to God that you've treated other image bearers, brothers and sisters that way. Receive his forgiveness. And maybe even in a situation you need to go to someone and say, I've been too harsh with you. The way I spoke that was not right. And a little thing I've adopted is, if I feel like I could have said something that really hurt someone offended them, I'm overcautious. So some of you might run into me and I'm saying, did you take this this way? Did I didn't mean to say it that way. Can we talk through this? Because what's not, what's not most important and shouldn't be most important to us if we're right, what should be most important to us is if that we're caring and loving one another. Do you guys hear that? Amen.